darkest of nights to a world gasping, a desert land. It came in the hush to a world waiting as a shadow waits. It came as a flutter, a twilight bird wings breaking the deepest waters, the cries of dreams, the sighs of souls. It came tender in the murmur of the newborn, in the ache of the swollen heart. It came as a whisper, soft on the lips of hillsides. It came in the song of the stars. It came as a rainfall, unexpected, passing eyes set on throne rooms, iron fists, grand shows. It came mist-like through the tear of the mother, the sweat of the soil, the dew on the cobweb in the cattle shed. It came to its own as hands unfurl, arms reach, eyes bloom. It awoke like a flower uncurling, like a flame on the darkness, and all who saw its light understood. Christmas, let's stand and worship together. Let's sing Hark the Herald. Hark the Herald, angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Steve. 
Well, Merry Christmas. Wow. Wow, you guys, you guys look so good. We should do this more often, I really think. Hey, would you turn and wish somebody Merry Christmas before you find your seats? All right, all right. We are so glad that you are here to join us and celebrate tonight. My name is Jeff Mickey. I'm on staff here at Orchard Hill Church. And on behalf of our staff and our Orchard family, our leadership board, we just want to say welcome. Uh, we know there's a lot of uh, guests and family members and visitors, people who maybe make a pilgrimage once a year or so to come to Orchard for Christmas Eve. Um, we are so glad you're here. We really want you to know that you are welcome and want you to feel welcome. Um, I don't know if you, men, if you notice, there's even music playing and candles lit in the men's room tonight. That's how serious we are about making you feel welcome. So that's a really good thing. <laughs> Ladies, that usually doesn't happen, so just so you know. Uh, I'm going to invite the ushers forward. There's a certain uh, a part of our service that's really important for some of our members and attenders. One of them is our Christmas Eve offering, and so it's a great opportunity for those who are members and on mission here with Orchard Hill Church um, to be able to give financially to that mission. It's uh, not like just giving to a charity, um, but really this is an opportunity for us to, to worship and honor our King, similar to what the wise men did when they came and brought their gifts before Jesus. So if you're a guest or visitor, didn't come prepared to give, that's fine. Um, please let the bag pass you by and let this service be a gift to you. On the other hand, if you decide you would love to take part in that, uh, we just want to say thank you for your generosity, and we're going to do our best to um, honor our King uh, with your gifts by blessing others. Uh, I want to say before going any further, a special welcome to all of you in the sanctuary who are participating with us down there, as well as those people online. Uh, we are excited you're here. We want to invite you to participate with us when we stand and sing. We hope you'll stand and sing. Hope you grabbed a candle on the way in for the candle lighting. And um, by the way, if you're in the sanctuary and you really appreciated that snow this afternoon, that was all Doug Tenson's idea. So be sure to thank him. Uh, give him a hug on the way out. Or if you didn't like the snow, you can kind of tug on his beard and let him know that too. He would appreciate that. So uh, we're glad that you guys are here. A couple other announcements I just want to pass along. Um, one is uh, we are here every Sunday morning at 9.45 and 10.15, or 10, 9.15, let me get this right, 9.15 and 10.45 here in the gym as well as down in the sanctuary. We have regular worship services. We would love to invite you to come back and participate with us on our regular services on Sunday mornings. We also have campuses in Waverly and in Grundy County, and um, you can find information about our services on our website, orchardhillchurch.org, or stop by our welcome desk. We have a great uh, ministry called Face to Face. Those team members are there tonight. They would love to answer your questions or any other questions you might have about Orchard Hill Church. And then lastly, uh, we will at one point in the service later uh, light candles as we sing Silent Night. And uh, it's very important that we get this right so we don't burn down the church or set a brother or sister on fire. And so I've asked Ed to be my model tonight. Isn't he a lovely model? Hear it for Ed. That was nice. <laughs> yes. We got a couple of smattering of applause yeah. there. So. <laughs> so don't be distracted by Ed. This is really, really important. Um, what's going to happen, these candles are getting a little bit deeper, so I hope we can figure this out. Uh, there's going to be a lit candle that comes down your row, and you're going to dip the unlit candle into that flame. And then you're going to turn to the person sitting next to you, being careful not to light the person's hair on fire in front of you or that new scarf. And they're going to dip their unlit candle into your flame. 
and that's how we will pass it down the rows. Everybody get that? That makes sense? So when it gets to that point in the service, uh, just remember these instructions because they're very important. And also, I was told by somebody uh, leaving the last service, when you blow it out, you may want to put your hand in front of the flame like that, uh, so you don't blow wax all over the person in front of you as well. So that's a handy tool. Uh, Carl Chestnut had said, if you walked in without a candle tonight and you would like to be part of that, um, you can raise your hand. She'll look for you and try to bring a candle. So if you want to raise your hand now, Carla will try to bring a candle your way. So thanks, Ed. Nice job. Well thanks, done. Thanks. You're getting better each time. Yeah. Uh, before we continue on, uh, I would just invite you to say a word of prayer with me. Would you please pray? Father, thank you so much for bringing us here tonight to celebrate the birth of your son. What a privilege it is to be invited to come and share in that celebration. And, and God, I just believe that we are eager to, to celebrate. We're eager to worship. We're eager to experience again the joy and the hope of that life, that new life that was found in the major 2,000 years ago. Um, many of us are in desperate need, Lord, of, of a, a, a shot of your light in, in the darkness that surrounds us in our, in our current lives or in the lives of family members. We're, we're desperate to bring that light to other family and friends. Father, just as you started this whole thing by saying, let there be light, and it changed everything, it chased away the darkness, and it created this entire world, we ask that you would again speak a word and there would be light in our lives, Lord, that would transform us and that we could take to transform others around us. Lord, we ask that you would do that for us tonight as we come to honor you and worship you, that you would speak that word to us through your, uh, through your word, through Dave's teaching, through our worship, through special music, in whatever way it is that you want to share that with us. Uh, we just open ourselves up to what you have to say. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Um, the account of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus are actually recorded in two of the Gospels in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And so this is a little bit of how they reported those events that we're celebrating tonight around the birth of Jesus. Here's what they said. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to her, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled by that saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Almighty will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born to you shall be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And it's now the sixth month with her who was called barren, 
For with God, nothing is impossible. Mary said, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what had been written by the prophet. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to her firstborn son, and they named him Jesus. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, in that same region, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will be for all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known abroad the saying which had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them.
the stars are brightly shining it is the night of the dear savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh hear the angel voice
stand as we continue in worship.
Hey kids, we are so glad that you are here. Thanks for coming. It's so good to have you here. I have a question for you. Have you ever been in a place where it's like so dark that when you put your hand up in front of your face, it's so dark that you can't even see it? Have you been in a place like that where it's that dark and it's a little bit scary? Yeah, I've been there too. We were on vacation one time. And we, our family was hiking down into a cave in Kentucky called Mammoth Cave, and just thousands of feet deep. And our guide took us uh, down and our guide said, hey, grab somebody's hand. I'm going to turn off the lights. And right in the cave, thousands of feet underground, they turned off the lights. And it was so black, you couldn't see a thing at all. I even had my son next to me. I couldn't even see him. And then another time on a different vacation, we went to a place. It's not a great vacation spot. It's, <laughs> we found out. Uh, it's called Four Corners. And it's actually where Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, and Arizona, they come together and they all have a corner in that exact same place in the middle of nowhere. And so they sell it as a vacation spot by putting up a sign and saying, this is the corner of four states. And so we drove for several hours to get there. And like when we got there, there was no moon, no stars. It was the middle of the night. And when I slammed the van door and that light went out, I turned around and like it was so dark, I couldn't even see the sign. I couldn't find the flashlight. I took a couple steps towards it and I stepped in a big cow pie. I mean, it was not a great vacation spot. My grandkids play a game in the dark. Uh, here's a picture of my grandkids. Seven of our nine grandkids last uh, Saturday, we had our Christmas celebration. It was as good as it could be. Uh, we play this game where I give them all a little flashlight and I cover the windows in the basement and I cover the door and uh, they go down with their flashlights in the dark and find a place to hide and then they turn off their flashlights and then I have a little flashlight and I come looking for them. It's such a fun game. Now, Jackson's our like three-year-old. He gets hiding, but he's afraid to shut off his flashlight. <laughs> so he's really easy to find because he's shining that light there. Now, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came into a very dark world. It was dark spiritually because the Jews had been waiting for this Savior, this Messiah to come for hundreds of years. And so they were waiting and waiting and waiting. Great, 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 great grandpa was waiting. And now today, we, they were still waiting for hundreds of years. And it was also dark because they were in the Roman Empire and they were surrounded by other pagan nations. And the Roman Empire and other pagan nations worshipped false gods and false idols. And it was dark spiritually because they would actually uh, make sacrifices that were evil and do evil behavior in, those, in worship of those, uh, those uh, gods. It was also dark for women and children in that day when Jesus was born. For women and children were the property of a man. And uh, 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 for instance, and it wasn't a good thing because uh, like a, for some men, a good cow might have more value than his wife or especially his daughter. So it was a dark day when Jesus was born in the manger. It was a dark time for the poor, the sick, the blind, the slaves who had no hope of, of freedom. It was dark for anyone without power and position. It was dark. We come tonight to remember Jesus came in the manger to um, turn off the darkness beginning in his day all the way till now until the final victory of God. And how did he turn off that darkness? He taught us to love God, 
to love ourselves, to love our families, to love those nearby, to love anyone in need, even to love our enemies. He taught us. And then he modeled it. He empowered and utilized the gifts of women. He said, let the kids come to me. He healed the blind. He hugged the leopards. He respected the poor. Now hear this. Jesus brought light into his day and changed by his life and teaching the trajectory of our world. And we've come tonight to celebrate that. So I want to read a different Christmas story than the one Ed read. In fact, the Christmas story I'm going to read from the Bible, it starts way back. It's way before the manger, way before Adam, right? Way before Mary and Joseph, way before Moses in the Old Testament, way before Adam and Eve were created. It's the first verse of the Gospel of John. It says this, in the beginning, before the creation, in the beginning was the word Jesus. And the word Jesus was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Those are amazing five verses about Christmas. Amazing. Let me remind you and tell you, Isaiah in the Old Testament, here's a verse. He, he spoke about the coming Messiah. Listen to this one. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears to you. Nations will come to your light. Whose light? The Lord's light. And kings to the brightness of of your dawn foretold that he would be a light Malachi the last book of the Old Testament real quick but for you who revere my name the sun s-u-n of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall we probably don't have a lot of farmers but uh, that's like a picture of being happy on the farm now here's what I want to remind you our Christmas lights that we have everywhere, you know, you have them on your tree at home, you have them on your mantle, you have them in your front yards. Our Christmas lights everywhere this season can be a visible reminder of this truth. Christ came to light up a dark world, a dark world. So when you go in, when you go home tonight and your, tr and your lights are off and you go plug in your tree or switch it on, just think of that message. Think, wow, just the way the living room was all bland and dark. And then I put on the tree, there's light. Or some of you have lights in your front yards or on your eaves, and you go and plug them in, and you go, wow. That's what Christ did for the world. This is a great visual all season long. I hope every time you see this and do this the rest of the season, you'll think, what did Christ come for? He came to be a light to turn off the darkness. Jesus said himself in John 9 this, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Seventh grade science class. What's the definition of darkness? Anybody remember? You know, seventh grade has been a while for some of you. The absence of light. Very good answer. The absence of light. So darkness is simply where there is no light. And then the Bible says this. The Bible says uh, uh, darkness never overcomes, defeats, 
or comprehends light. Never. A little light conquers great darkness. Jackson, my three-year-old grandchild, in the basement, all the basement dark, no matter how much dark you would add to that, it'll never overcome the light. Jesus, in a manger, lives his life, dies on a cross. No amount of darkness in our world or his world, then or now, is going to put out this light that we've come to celebrate tonight. I want, to, I want to name four areas of darkness that some of you are living in right now. And I want to declare that Jesus came to put an end to that darkness. And the first area of darkness is loneliness. The Christmas season is one of the loneliest seasons for many people. For some of you attending the Christmas Eve services, you talk to me and you tell me that this is one of the loneliest nights of the year. You come alone and you see all these other families. And I saw you saving seats. Like some of you were saving like 25 seats. I mean, this is a little ridiculous, you know. Uh, but the individual comes by themselves and they're going, why am I all alone? Why me? Now let me talk to another group of people in the room. And that's a group of, of families who came together, but there's a huge hole in the family tonight. We've had more funerals at Orchard this year than any year since I've been uh, here at Orchard. And uh, that spot, that hole, will never be filled again in your family. And there is an empty seat at the table this year. And there's a present under the tree that will not be given. And maybe even there's a change in the place you're celebrating because grandpa died or grandma died or mom or dad died. And actually you've had to change your celebration. And you don't even know how you're going to get through this Christmas loneliness. Two of our families from our church are at Covenant, uh, Covenant Hospital right now. And they're across the hall from each other. And uh, they're feeling that kind of loneliness you feel on Christmas Eve when you're in the hospital with a really, really sick family member. I got an email yesterday from a good friend of mine in the church. They, he said, I won't be at Christmas Eve, I don't believe, because uh, we're at a hospice house in Des Moines, and we're waiting for my dad to take his last breath. And that's a loneliness. That's a lonely feeling. Uh, loneliness is one of the most felt need topics presented in our youth programs year after year. When I speak on loneliness, it's like I have instant rapport with kids, because kids in a crowd feel lonely. When I speak on loneliness, it's easy to connect with high school and uh, college kids because they get loneliness. Now, here's what I want to declare. Christ is with you tonight, whether you feel him or not. And you may not feel his presence, but he's there with you. He's here. He, he, he will leave here and go home with you. He's fully available to you as a friend. You have the privilege and the option to invite him closer. One of the names the Bible gives Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, God's not only with us, he's actually with us and for us. He's all for us. He's on our side. He wants to be close. God would be the worst person in the world to play hide-and-seek with in my basement. Because he promises he will never leave you or lose track of you. He never will. It'll never happen. When Jesus was born in a manger as a human ba ba baby, um, God... Uh, did that so that he could be with us in ways that he couldn't be with us apart from being a human being. And God, God in Christ is 
with you and for you. Second area, I want to talk about darkness tonight. Because some of you are lonely, and I just declare that this baby in a manger wants to come into that darkness and be a light. Second area, fear. We live in a world where the promotion of fear is an industry. Entire TV networks, songs, books, magazines, blog posts depend on creating fear within listeners and viewers. Fear sells. And there is so much to be afraid of in our world. These two families at Covenant, they're afraid maybe their family member won't get completely well. Um, Financial collapse, cancers, divorce, disease, abuse, wars, cost of college, accidents, underfunded retirements. I mean, you could make a list of everything you're afraid of. And the list goes on and on. Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Peace. In this world you will have trouble. There are things to fear. But take heart, I've overcome the world. This is such a big topic. We're going to take the whole month of January here at Orchard Hill Church. And we're going to teach a series called Family Without Fear. And we're going to teach it in uh, Teaching Team Partners. And so one Sunday, my daughter Emily and I are going to teach family without fear. And another Sunday, Chuck and Alice Shirey are going to teach uh, families without fear. And uh, uh, Carla and Sean Chestnut are going to teach. And Brian and Giselle, um, Eric Lins is going to teach. So uh, if, if you don't have a church home and you're looking and this is of interest to you, come back in the month of January. Third area of darkness I want to talk about is the darkness of sin and shame. You might be sitting here tonight and thinking, I've done so many things wrong. I have so much regret in my life. I don't belong here. I've tried to change. I can't change. I can't make it right. And maybe I cannot even forgive myself. You're sitting tonight thinking, I need to be rescued from this life of wrongdoing, but I've tried it before and nothing's worked. Or, as I speak with teenagers, what I find these days is that uh, sin may not compute with them, but shame really computes. Now, sin is, I do wrong. Shame is, I am wrong. I am broken. And what I find, as I visit with teenagers, uh, they're not so worried about the things they do wrong, but they realize deep down in their heart, there's something broken in me. And I'm so glad that the book of Isaiah says that Jesus died on a cross for sin and shame. So you might be sitting in the seats thinking and feeling shame. I'm wrong. I'm broken. There's no hope for me. If people knew how broken and unfixable I am, I wouldn't even be welcome in the service. And if you were thinking that, you'd be absolutely wrong. Because this is what Jesus actually specialized in. He specialized in loving people who were broken and shame-filled. That was his specialty. What did he say? He said, I didn't come for the, for the well, I came for the sick. And why did he climb out of a manger, live and teach for those years, and then allow himself to be put on a cross and killed? Why, why did that happen to him? For your sin and your shame. So that they could be forgiven by Almighty God. Jesus would love nothing better than to turn off that darkness inside you of sin and shame. He specializes in that. And he wants to give you complete forgiveness. He did it in his life, didn't he? For prostitutes and tax cheats and adulterers and murderers. That's what he did. He walked around and he touched their lives and he turned off the darkness and he forgave them. The fourth area. 
It's an area I've got to, I've learned a lot about this year. It's uh, the darkness of death. 2 Timothy 1.10 says this, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, the one in the manger, who has done what? Destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. What did Jesus do? This little one born in a manger that we came to celebrate, the one that died on a cross, the one that they put in a tomb, and uh, he just, it couldn't hold him. Three days later, he arose. What did he do? He destroyed death. Death touches all of us. It's one experience we will all share. We will all die. We've all been touched in another way in that all of us have some loved one some way that's died. And all that's left of them on the planet is a memory and memories fade. Now, I don't bring these declarations tonight, any of these four, uh, of turning off the darkness easily or casually. I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. I have said, is this stuff I'm teaching tonight true? Uh, this summer on June 10th in Florida, Ben, Charlie Bailey, our son and grandchildren were killed in a tragic accident. Most of you know that. Some of you wouldn't. Our family has walked through great darkness in many ways, and we're still asking Jesus to help us turn off the darkness around this whole thing. Just two nights ago, uh, last week, this past weekend, we had all of our family in, and uh, we had, considering the circumstances, we had a great celebration. I showed you the picture of the grandkids. But when everybody went home on Sunday night, I don't know if you remember, it was drizzly, and I put on my coat, and I went for an hour-long walk. And I just said, I'm going to let myself be sad. That was deeply sad. But you know what? I didn't go on that walk alone. I had a savior who was born in a manger and died on a cross and exploded out of a grave. And his spirit was with me. That's what I want to declare tonight. He wants to turn off the darkness in your life, just like he has in ours. I know that this, I, <laughs> I know quite a bit, I know that this is an intense, uh, intentional journey that some of us need to be on in this darkness. I know that bringing his light to your loneliness or your fear or your shame or your sin or dealing with the death of a loved one, and we have a lot of you doing that, requires an intentional journey. And there are parts you have to do, and there's parts Jesus has to do. And you have to take some steps, and then the presence and power of God has to come with you and do that. And uh, I know that there's no other light that I've found anywhere to turn off the darkness in a way that actually works. When you're standing at a cemetery, And three caskets are going to be put in the ground. Listen, you need light. And you scan the universe. Where's the hope? Started in a manger where he was born. And ended in a tomb that he left empty. That's where the hope is. That's how you turn off darkness. The Bible says it in Acts 4. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And I would add, from darkness. So whatever your darkness, this light wants to come and barge in and light it up. So I, I've been on this journey. I have an accountability partner. 
Uh, I have a couple. Uh, one of them is Kurt Vanderweel, who taught at the funeral of, our, of, of the kids and uh, is a teacher here at Orchard. And I meet with him at Panera every several weeks. And so I was meeting with Kurt one day at Panera for breakfast. And I said, hey, Kurt, I've read like 15, 20 books on grief. I've, I've read a whole bunch of books on heaven. Some of the books I've read three or four times. And Kurt looked at me and he said, what do you think you're looking for in there, Dave? I had never asked myself that question. What am I reading all these books for? And I didn't have an answer to the question, but as often happens, I pondered it for a few weeks. And then we were in northern Minnesota on a retreat vacation with my wife and my oldest son, and I was sitting in a hot tub, and I thought, of course, of course, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm reading those books. I'm looking for a sedative to decrease the pain. I'm looking for an antidote for the hurt. That's what I'm doing. So as I sat in the hot tub, I thought, wow, if I'm doing that, what are all the things I've tried? What, have I, what steps have I taken? And so I thought, well, I've read a lot of books, and I've tried journaling, and I've been walking and running, doing some exercising. I've been praying. I've been reaching out to God. I've been remembering the good memories, right? That's what you're supposed to do. I've been thinking of them in heaven. I've been studying heaven. One time I was in the backyard, and I had so much pain I didn't know whether I should go to the ER or just lay down and cry. Uh, I didn't know if it was physical or emotional pain. And, and that's what darkness is like, right? And as I said in the hot tub, I thought, well, what else could I try? And for just a minute, just, just a second, I thought maybe I should try some serious alcohol. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a way to kill this pain. And then I thought, no, that isn't going to do it. And then I thought the only thing that's worked is this one born in a manger and his spirit with us. So if you don't stand on the rock of Christ and you don't have the light of Christ in your life to turn off darkness, I actually don't know how you live through darkness. I believe if you had been in my shoes and you didn't know Christ, I don't know how you would have gotten up in the morning. I don't know. I don't know how you would have like, uh, been an encouragement to other family members. Without the light of Jesus in my life, without the rock of Jesus under my life, I could not have walked through this darkness. It's not been easy. Um, but the risen Christ has been there for us, day after day after day. Some days we felt him, some days we didn't. And when we didn't have enough strength to hold on to him, he held on to us. My son said to me the other day on a walk, he said, Dad, thank you so much for leading us through this tragedy. And I said back, the truth is, the one who led me through it and has led all of us is the living Jesus. He's the one who's led us through it. And if you don't have that, I invite you tonight to reach out to Christ right now. And I would just like to say it's really simple. You give all that you know of yourself right now and that's a ball of stuff, right? I mean, you've got a history, you've got a family, you've got a career, you've got a bank account, you've got sin, you've got some shame, you've got some bad memories, you've got a whole bunch of stuff. You just give this ball of who you are to who Jesus is. And what do you know of Jesus? You give who, what you know of yourself to what you know of Jesus. And I've said it several times. All you need to know is he was born in a manger, he's the son of God, he lived a life that changed the direction of our world. He died on a cross for your sin and shame so that you could be completely forgiven. He was put in a grave, and it wouldn't hold him. In three days, he arose.
And you can right now just give all that you know of yourself to all that you know of Christ. And actually the Bible says at that point in history, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. And your eternity is heaven. But here's something I figured out the last six months. You may need to do this over and over and over again. It's like every day with Christ is an adventure. It's like I've had to give myself to Christ every single day for six months. Just say, God, I can't even do it today. I just give you, I ask you for your help today again. I give all that I know of myself today to all that I know of you again and again and again. Who would have ever guessed that the God we came to celebrate tonight has two symbols that are so unusual? A feeding trough, which we call a manger, and an instrument of torture and death we call a cross. What kind of a God chooses those two symbols to be his symbols of victory. A humble God, a good God, a God who wants to turn off the darkness in your life. We're gonna move into a song uh, and a spoken word by Andrew, which declares this exact same message. One of my favorite lines is in the final verse of this song, and it's exactly what I already told you. When the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. When the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. And when it talks about uh, describing this light that turns off the darkness, it simply says over and over and over and over again, says to God, you are good, you are good, you are good.
gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us but don't be afraid Mary for the one that you carry will bring salvation from sin and will make your hearts new and this child you'll embrace the one you'll create is the one who created you this child who you'll give life is the maker and giver of life and before you've ever tried to satisfy your appetite he is the bread of life this child is the way before you have ever felt lost. He is the truth before the lies of your flesh have ever dug in their claws. He is the life before the wages of sin has ever sunk in its jaws. And he is the light before the darkness of life has ever shadowed your heart. Now I know this is a lot to bear, but I swear that this child that will be born next to animals will be called Emmanuel because God is with us. Oh, that God would teach us the meaning of that name, Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, our mighty deliverer, the universe's spring, taking the frailest of forms, humble and meek, for our mighty God was not too proud for a birth not fit for a king. A king, rejecting his throne, 
dressing in flesh and bone. Kings and kingdoms will be drawn to the light that he's shown, saying, For all who feel alone, I will be the hand you can hold. And for all the hearts that are overthrown, the grasp of my arms will be your home. I am your hope in the midst of your darkest hour, because at your weakest, I will show you my perfect power, and I'll start by putting on flesh. And in the middle of your rebellious mess, I'll come to testify to the truth and offer forgiveness. You'll call it Christmas. I'll call it redemption. You'll make a wish list. I'll promise communion. You'll honor tradition. I'll be a revolution. You are the problem. I've come to be the solution. But on this silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, and all is also ferocious. It's fierce as the roar from the Lion of Judah echoes through our ears. This holy invasion is violent as the King of creation, the one who can hold Orion, steps into our mess to conquer our giants and tie down the tongue of Leviathan. Now in my mind that makes the manger seem a little less cute and a little more of an all-out attack on our rebellious pursuits because you cannot separate the cradle from the cross. This child came to seek and save the lost, so when we look at Bethlehem, we have to see Golgotha's hill, the place of a skull where our Savior was killed. We have to see the garden tomb and Jesus tasting death's sting, and though death could kill the groom, it could not kill the ring, because the significance of his birth is that he has risen from the dead, and he's coming again with a crown on his head and fire in his eyes, and the darkness of life will be no more, and we will forever be in the presence of our risen Lord. He will wipe away our tears and he will cleanse all our flaws. And the name of the one who is coming is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Dear God, you are so good. We confess how good you are. You're good to put your son in a manger and be born as a human. You're good to let him live and teach and love. You're good to send him to a cross where he would die for us. You're good. Father, I pray that in those areas of our lives where we have darkness, 
that you will be a present light and that we will have the courage to invite you in to that darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Little girl goes with her mother to Walmart and begs her mom for a flashlight. And her mom gives in and they buy a flashlight and once they're through the checkout, the little girl unwraps the flashlight, pops it on, says, Mommy, Mommy, let's go find some darkness. Can't you picture it? As we light the candles, I want you to think deeply. Is there a place of darkness in my life where I need to invite the light of Christ in, in a new, deeper way? Or might it be that Christ has positioned you to be a light and you're to take his light to someone else's darkness? Or might it be like it is for me tonight, both? I need him in my darkness. And he calls me to be a light for someone else. Might it be both? It's interesting to me that it's Jesus' birthday. That's what we came here for. And we're the ones who get the gifts. It's interesting to me that we're celebrating his birthday, but he was born in a manger for you. He lived and taught and loved for you. He died on a cross for you. He came back to life out of that grave for you. Interesting. Very interesting, our God. Jeff, come up here. And Doug, down at the other end, let's get this candle lighting thing going. And um, as you're lighting candles, remember all the rules Jeff gave you. And uh, we'll try not to burn anything down.
Hey, across the world, there are millions of Christians doing this tonight, millions upon millions. You're not alone as you give all that you know of yourself to all that you know of him and follow Jesus. You're not alone. There's millions of us across the planet building his kingdom. What good news is that? And now, uh, on behalf of Orchard Hills people, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And now, carefully, blow out your candles. And as you remember, uh, put them on the tables out in the lobby. And thank you for coming and hope to see you again. Goodbye.